everyone, and welcome to the Cherry Becker Digital Journeys podcast. My name is Jim Holman, and I'm pleased to host today's episode, the third and final of a three-part series around continuous improvement. In our first episode, we gave an overview of continuous improvement broadly and provided input in to consider when implementing a practice of continuous improvement. In our second episode, we provided a quick assessment tool to help listeners gauge the maturity of their current practices and help highlight areas for improvement. Finally, in this session, we'll address how to advance your improvement practice and create focus on the best initiatives for business impact. In this session, as before, I'm joined by my colleague, Steve Holliday. We're both part of Cherry Beckard's digital advisory practice in which we guide our clients forward in their transformation journey. Steve, thanks again for joining me. Thank you, Jim, and thanks for having me. It's a privilege to be here. We've talked about the overarching management of improvement talked about organizational culture. We've talked about how to establish a quick baseline. Let's talk more about mobilizing improvement efforts. It's time to roll up our sleeves. How should we think about this? Jim, in my experience, the best way to launch activity around continuous improvement is not in the classic approach where companies train up a bunch of people and have them go out and find projects. It's a little more strategic than that. Um, what um, What's important is that we, we need to look uh, across key business value streams um, or focus within specific problem areas. Uh, In both cases, the goal is the same. We need to understand processes and where flow stops. Then to capture these points, along with some additional information to help calculate the business impact. Great, so now this is starting to talk to be a bit more tactical, up my alley, where the rubber meets the road. How do you go about this? Well, uh, we start, uh, if, if, if it was us engaging and we weren't internal to the business, we start, first of all, by understanding um, what are the overarching business objectives and strategies. This is important for us to know so that we are in step with where the business is trying to go. Um, we would meet with the leadership team and gather perspectives about the current performance, look at financials, the gaps, and um, and trying to understand improvement opportunities from a leadership perspective. Then we would walk through key business value streams and identify areas such as where flow stops, where inventory is needed to buffer flow, uh, where manual processing times are large, uh, or in four, where mistakes um, and errors occur. Um, There are other areas, but these are the big ones. We compile this information, assess the impact of the losses and use this information to put a number of a, a number to to the business impact uh, financially uh, we use the business impact to prioritize the losses from the losses we consider potential improvements and the effort required to remediate and then there's a collaboration with management where uh, where we bring into consideration the impact but also the effort uh, to develop the um, the improvement, and then we create a, a rank order. These projects have good ROIs. Most typically, what we see is, is in the four to 10 time range. If I were a business leader, if you were evaluating where to invest cash for return, you know, consider an investment in core operations with those kinds of returns. That's great. So what can you say about what comes next? 
Well, um, next steps are, are we charter projects uh, based on that priority. Um, and what's important here is that we charter the, pro the number of projects that the business can support and still meet its other objectives. What we find a lot of times improvement is, is another part to the job, um, which is OK, because uh, as we'll talk about a little bit later, um, you know, we want uh, th those line leaders to, to, to understand and to be driving improvement. So in this stage, you know, we're really working. We define the teams. What are the objectives of the project, the scope? Um, what's the expected timing? And then we, we launch the projects. Uh, we want to be sure that we find a balance with capacity so that projects can be executed efficiently without stops and starts. I see too many organizations try to take on more than they can chew, and projects just don't seem to make progress. Um, another important thing is it's important to establish a rhythm of execution where projects are regularly pulsed, uh, meaning that uh, there is some kind of an update process uh, where the project teams are, are reporting to stakeholders, um, and that we want to stay, uh, keep these projects on track. Um, and make sure that management knows what it can do to help support these projects. When the projects are complete, we launch the next projects, uh, but we also assess completed projects just to be sure they met objectives. Um, one, one practice that I find extremely helpful, uh, and, and I, would, I would advocate this to, to any company, uh, is, is a learning step, right? a project debrief pretty critical. Um, you learn from the projects, uh, both in finding ways to improve execution or, or team interaction, but also you learn from the projects and what they learned about the process and how to take those learnings and maybe spin off new projects. Um, taking the time to learn from uh, you know, what we've just done is, is an essential practice. So that's great, Steve. It's really important to uh, self-assess at the completion of a project, not just the failures, but the successes so that you can correct the failures and to identify what you did with the successes that made them successful so you can continue to build, hence continuous improvement. That sounds a lot like a project office. So helping raise visibility for the project portfolio and the project progress. How can this process be more of a self-sustaining one? Yeah, excellent question. And, and you know, good connection with the, the idea of the project office. Um, a lot of the key functions the project office provides are, are good ones to bring to um, this type of a, a, a journey as well. Um, and so uh, we see the disciplines of a project office as, as being important. And then the other factor is, yeah, organizations need to learn and, and uh, that's all part of that ongoing uh, practice. But um, you know, back to your question there, I, I think, um, how it becomes a self-sustaining uh, process is, um, you know, we think about uh, uh, number one, you know, that, that in this case, um, we're not training up a bunch of people and then their, their skills get stale. Um, we are providing them training in the course of the project just in time. So we're training project resources to plug in immediately with the project uh, using the improvement tools. We're also um, training them on the process for identifying and prioritizing new opportunities. So a little bit of a, we're, we're teaching them to fish. 
Um, and so these opportunities will ultimately go into the project pipeline. Um, and as long as management, the management review uh, of the process and, and drives uh, you know, this effort and an ongoing push and, and it's a constant priority, over time, the organization will build the momentum needed to sustain efforts. And then the final, the other kickers, clearly around financial tracking or, or keeping score, um, this also reinforces the practice. Because as we all know, Jim, what gets measured gets done. By setting improvement targets and keeping score, teams will look for ways to be successful and continuous improvement tools help teams to be successful. That's great. Uh, you mentioned previously how important data is. You've also mentioned a four to 10 X ROI. And then just now you've mentioned financial tracking, keeping score. So all of those things uh, is definitely has an opportunity to keep focus on the successes as you continue to move forward. Does an organization need a team of people to help keep this going? You know, in, in our experience, um, resourcing depends on a number of factors. Uh, the key factors really then um, you know, become things like uh, what what's the number of prioritized projects, the desired timeline, um, the, the size of the organization and the breadth of these projects, and what speed uh, does the organization want to move? One option um, is to maintain a relationship with an outside expert to help with project launch, uh, the teaching and supporting of teams, as well as management in this process. This resource, in combination with an inside process champion, can help sustain the process. My view on that is that in this example, the organization doesn't necessarily have that improvement background and is looking to instill that improvement uh, capability into its organization. Another approach would be that that organization goes out and hires a full-time champion to perform these responsibilities. I want to be clear, though, you know, what we are not recommending is the approach where a dedicated improvement practitioner is responsible for the project and improvement. Um, this would be seen, you know, if you think about the team and, and, uh, and driving ownership, uh, if you've got a dedicated resource with this responsibility, it tends to isolate the team from, from the deliverable. So while this approach might help projects move faster, it does lead, it can lead to less ownership within the teams for improvement, possibly less buy-in. In my experience, what happens when these resources are removed from the functions that they support, they'll often revert to their old ways. Um, it may be more effective to place ownership onto functional resources and provide them the training they need to develop into process improvement practitioners. So, um, you know, really then improvement becomes a part of everybody's job. It's not Steve's job or Jim's job. Um, in this case, uh, this is how you, you broaden the ownership for improvement uh, by bringing in coaches, resources that can help people learn within the working environment, uh, but really at the end of the day, they're responsible and accountable for the improvement in their operations. Steve, that definitely drives some of your point about organizational culture. It takes everybody pulling the rope the same way. Steve, thanks again for the discussion today on how to advance your improvement practice. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate the opportunity to be here today and to talk about continuous improvement. This wraps up this three-part series on developing your improvement initiatives. 
please reach out to any one of us through the contact information listed wherever you're listening to this podcast or go to cbh.com digital. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to Cherry Beckert's Digital Journeys podcast.